gentlemen, welcome to The Hylian. This is the inaugural episode. My name is Shrimp. I will be your host and guide on this uh, journey. I'm joined today by a good friend of mine who goes by Thief. Thief, thank you for joining me today. Good day. Happy to be here. I'm excited to be doing this show, and this is something that I've wanted to do for quite a while. I'm a lifelong Zelda fan. Uh, I've been a fan of Zelda... I don't know, 12, 11 years old. Yeah, that sounds about on par with where I'm at too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of us who are in that age range now where, you know, we're, we're ready to spawn a generation of our own. More than half of our lives. Yeah, for sure. And the thing that kind of uh, got under my skin being a Zelda fan for so long is that I kind of keep my eye on what the community gets up to. And I was always very jealous of how the musicians do amazing music. The cosplayers do amazing cosplay. The filmmakers, the artists, everybody who has a skill that they can contribute to the Zelda family, not only do they do it, but they nail it so well that it gets Nintendo's attention. And then Nintendo sometimes decides to uh, shut the project down. Yes, yeah, which is orders, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I am a podcaster by trade. It's a profession that I made up and then <laughs> uh, pursued it. Uh, I do I do podcasting professionally. I edit shows for other people, which is where I make uh, the majority of my money. It's not a lot because this is a, a frontier industry. But that's when I realized, oh, wait a minute, I can do podcasting and I think I'm okay at it. So this is my way of contributing to the Zelda community. This is something that I've wanted to do for uh, all you fine people. And for those of you who are wondering what kind of show this is going to be, um, I would do recommend that if you want to listen to other Zelda podcasts, there are other great ones out there. I did listen to the other ones and I wanted to make sure that we're doing something different here with this one than what the other ones are. So this is more of like a reference library uh, with its finger on the pulse of the community. What we're going to be doing is getting into Zelda uh, in an in-depth analysis. So we're going to pick a subject for each episode, except for this one, and then if we decide to do mailbag episodes, and we're going to dig into it and try to come to more of an understanding of the Zelda series. Because I know that there's a lot of people like uh, myself and Thief who have been fans for a while, but I'm a part of a couple of Zelda communities on Facebook. And I know that there's a lot of youngsters too. It's cute because I'm seeing people post pictures of like them in the water temple for the very first time. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you got to pay your dues, kid. I figure this out. And so we uh, look forward to hearing from the community too. If you If people want to get our opinions on a certain matter of Zelda, or if you, for whatever reason, trust our judgment and want to ask us other things too. I'm kind of uh, looking forward to that because one of the first podcasts that I ever listened to is still around. It's changed its dynamic since I first started listening to it. Uh, it's called IGN Game Scoop. And people started writing into them and getting their uh, advice on it. So that's something that endeared me to podcasting from the very beginning. And so it's something that I would look forward to uh, helping out with in the future, but we're not there yet. This is still episode one. So anytime a guest comes on this show, or if it's your first appearance on this show, which is for both of us, the first rule is you have to talk about this as much as possible. Talk about the Hylian, tell your friends about it. Any Zelda fan, talk to them about it. I have the uh, Triforce tattooed on my left hand. So 
it's a pretty straightforward method of promoting it to people. <laughs> For those of you who found the podcast because of that, it was nice meeting you. Oh, well played. Well played. Thank you. We are going to have to pay our dues and talk about how we first got into the series. Thief, you have been patient enough to uh, let me get through that uh, opening jumble. Spiels are spiels. Thank you. So how did you get into the series? I feel like I should actually be using some sort of opening line to an opening game. But well, it's hope it's not you've met with a terrible fate. <laughs> <laughs> not, not an opening line, but uh, probably one of my favorite lines. Uh, no, it, it's not um, an opening line. No, right. but I shouldn't be open, using an opening line from a Zelda game. I should be using an opening line from a Batman game. I had received a used Game Boy from my mom that picked it up uh, in a secondhand shop somewhere on the way to one of our summer trailer travels. We set up trailer in a trailer park go visit family or friends or family friends, Ray, Ray, Ray. We would go out to different parts of the province and stay away for months at a time. I went out uh, with one game and that was Batman Begins. Batman Begins? And that was a Batman game. Well, Batman Begins is the Nolan film. So I don't think that correlates with when Game Boy games were in active production. Mm, probably Maybe Batman not. Returns, I think. It could have been Batman Returns. Yeah. Regardless, it was a Batman game. And that was the only game that I had, my mom owning sole possession of the Tetris game that I was not allowed to touch unless she was there. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, I'm just curious store. for uh, getting the image in my head. Is this like OG Game Boy? Oh, yeah. Oh. No, we're, we're talking like the back of the battery compartment has been snapped off and is mm. now held on with tape uh, lcd screen you need to find yourself a flashlight in order to play that thing past 5 p.m game boy uh <laughs> three different colors of yellow it was once gray it's in my peripheral vision because uh, thief <laughs> has an, a very impressive array of collectibles spanning uh, i'd say 30 years every console every nintendo console is behind me uh, a few ataris yeah you know i remember um just real quick when i was because i had a game the first game boy i guess the only game boy that i got was the game boy pocket and it was possible to play pokemon effectively because it was all turn-based mm -hmm. and so whenever i'm being uh driven home at night i would have to wait for the light to shine through so <laughs> uh, okay Attack, okay. I think we've all been there. <laughs> and then I'm sitting in the darkness waiting for results to find out if I blacked out or not. Uh, there's a, I can't remember the name of the artist, but I think most uh, nerds have at least seen one of his comics, but he did an animated comic where it was just that same uh, instance. So I'll, I'll, I gotta go find out what his name is and give credit to him in the comments. But anyways, so you had access to a Batman game. So painting the story, I, I was about 10 or 11 years old. I had just pulled into this random trailer park. Uh, it is just as sketchy and uh, I had just pulled into this trailer park with my family <laughs> and it was a very interesting grass hovel, nothing else of interest going on there. You know, fire pit in the corner, 50 odd trailers in the middle of a grass field. I have my Game Boy and I have my one Batman game that I've spent all of maybe three or four hours playing the game, maybe the first two levels. Skill level wasn't that high yet. Mm -hmm. I come across the only other kid that had a Game Boy, which was pure luck at this like day and age, that a young child was given a piece of electronic equipment to carry around with him, the trust level through the roof. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. So he had, you know, he was super cool. He had four or five games and he had this one really lame game that, you know, he, he wasn't too fond of and he wandered around for hours and he had no idea what was going on. And, you know, he'd talk to all the villagers and he had no idea what was happening. If you're a longtime Zelda fan, I'm pretty sure you've put the pieces together and have figured out that he was walking around Kahulant Island mm-hmm. and this was Link's Awakening. I was reluctant to trade one of my childhood heroes, the bat, mm-hmm. for some random kid who is wearing green garb who woke up on a beach. Uh, he has no sword or shield to his name. Unless or until he... It's not long before he gets his shield back. Until he gets woken up by Tarin and says, Oh, hey, I found this shield on the beach. It must be yours because it has your name inscribed on the back of it. And that was the beginning of the end. Uh, <laughs> the, um, from from that point on, I, I... And I've kept every receipt ever since of how much money. <laughs> oh, man. If I had a receipt of how much time I've spent playing and replaying these games... That was probably my favorite Zelda game. Uh, that's a different conversation for a different episode, I think. Yeah. Although I, th- I think it's a point that I think will be hard to disprove that everybody's favorite ends up being the first Zelda they play. Could be, but I'd say that Link's Awakening really does have some standout points that would make it a contender for anyone's top five list. I, I agree. Well, I'm say the same thing about Ocarina. Well played. Yeah. But uh, that was that was the first of many Zelda games, uh, Zelda games in the series to find their way into my consoles and into my heart. What was yours? Okay, so my uh, game experience started with the Sega Genesis. My parents are to blame for this uh, rabbit hole that I've continued to go down. And the first game that I played was Sonic the Hedgehog. And we were kind of behind the generational cycle. So by the time I had like a fair collection of like 12 Genesis games, everybody had moved on to the PlayStation and the Nintendo 64. And just uh, touching briefly on what you said about how your uh, your enabler had five games versus uh, your one game. I know that some people who are listening to this, by the time that you know they've had access to the Internet, would have you would have had access to the internet at a very young age. So the idea of not having access to a lot might seem unrealistic now, but for us, you know, every game that we had was precious. That was $60 a cartridge Yep, for the Game Boy games. You're, you're talking hundreds of dollars that this kid was carrying around in his pocket. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't unreasonable for an older kid to uh, beat that guy up and take all of that. And then the parents, what are they going to do? They're gonna be like, well, this is what you get for, not being a careful with it life lessons and even and it's not just with games either even when i had like a vhs player or a cassette player we didn't get very many uh, videos or vcr get... it's called a vcr dude vcr wasn't... vhs player is is a vcr okay sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know i make that mistake all the time it's like yeah it's a dvd player no it's it's a vcr for, for the uh, younger kids in the audience, this was something that you plugged a large, what looked like cassette into, and it played video on the screen. But are the cassettes not called VHS? They are. They, they okay. are VHS, VHS tapes <laughs> okay. that so, plug into the V video cassette recorder. No, so then in that case, a VCR would have been the function of the device that does the recording, but then it would also have been a VHS player. Uh, I mean, you could call a VCR a VHS player, but... 
the generic term for a VHS player would be a VCR. You feel free to edit this. All no, in. no, this is the kind of fun stuff that. We okay. Keep in. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> but no, that's it. It was actually a v- VCR. The point is, I had I, the only movie that I had was Austin Powers to the Spy Who Shagged Me, Ooh, and so choice. I would have to like I had to re I would re- because I had nothing else to do. I would rewatch that movie total maybe like 25, 30 times. <laughs> Uh, and then whenever I had other movies to collect, it would be that same thing. So and the same thing happened with games. We'd get like one game to play and we had to play that. And we would have to get creative and find ways to make the game fun long after having been it. And uh, Ocarina of Time was really the first game that allowed me to do that. So, okay, so let me get back on track. I've got a Genesis. Everybody else has a PlayStation or a Nintendo 64. Nintendo 64 was... Uh, a little more popular among the school kids. And I was introduced to Zelda through the Ocarina of Time commercials. And so the first thing that I'd ever seen of Zelda at all was that commercial, which you can go into YouTube and still find now. It's like, have ye the courage or have ye, it's like, have ye the stones. (laughs) Nailed it. And my first impression of it was a a little intimidated by it because it, it seemed to be a game that took itself seriously there's something about the the music it would it, it, it to me it came across as uh mature and definitely challenging versus when mar when we first see mario and mar- you know mario runs around and he's happy he's got a big smile on his face and zelda didn't do that and respected that uh speaking of n64 commercials have you seen the majora's mask commercials mm-hmm. The TV spots for oh, that. Yeah. You want to talk about intimidating. Those were crazy. Here comes the moon. You gotta die, kid. And a single beat of sweat drops off a guy's eyebrow. <sighs> that was yeah, exactly it. That. No, and I that... actually thought that was a teardrop for a while, and I just didn't understand how crying works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. After you see this commercial, you might just want to. It was literally put out there as like an end of the world. One kid doesn't mind, and he's just playing Majora's Mask. Yeah, no, he, he he gets it. The rest of the world sees the moon falling. He knows he can reset time. He's got this. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I think he was, I think everybody was like depending on him to win. Like he was playing to save the world and everybody was watching him like, come on, you got to do this. You got to do this. Hold my milk, mother nature. I got this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. And these are all, the amazing thing now is that we can look it up and go check these out you know when i was younger and i wanted to show somebody something i had to use my vcr (laughs) and record it on a vhs cassette yep that is how that works and you really want to fall down the rabbit hole watch the original legend of zelda ad from the 1980s and then watch the 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 zelda 2 ad from japan there was like Are you a talking about the music video? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Just Please no, strike that from the record. <laughs> that was almost like a blooper reel gone horribly wrong. Uh, the first one, the first commercial, though, was that that was like an acid attack. <laughs> like you should I, see I, this guy I, literally sweating and looking up and down and just yelling like tech tights, ah! like randomly freaking out at the different enemies. I, I don't know if he makes it all the way through that commercial without having some sort of conniption. I think he has a heart attack. It was intense. That might have actually been part of the commercial. Okay, we, we've gone into several uh, tangents, which I'm perfectly okay with. There's this one NES commercial I have to bring up where it, you were introduced to a couple of different games and a 8-bit slash 3D rendering of the monsters would pop up and go, You cannot beat us. Do you remember seeing that one? Ogre Battle? 
No, no, no. This was like a bunch of games. They showed Duck Hunt. They showed Mario. Just imagining the ducks popping up and saying that. I think it was the dog that did it. <laughs> you cannot beat us. <laughs> well, technically, he was not wrong. You can't mm. shoot that dog. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I don't see too many ads nowadays because, you know, we can skip them. <laughs> Five seconds till your video plays. Yeah. Or if you record things on PVR, did I get... And then you can yeah. just like fast forward through those too. But um, when we were younger, commercials were not afraid to scare the living daylights out of us. And then that kind of endeared us to the games a little bit more because it made us almost like we had to overcome something in, by playing these games. It was a challenge. Yeah. For sure. Somebody shows up to school one day with a game magazine. Pretty sure the magazine in question was Electronic Gaming Monthly. And it's like a, and they're showing like a bunch of images from Zelda. And I remember seeing some of the promo artwork for like the image of the first boss, Goma. And I'm just like, man, this is cool. And everybody's talking about Zelda. It's a, it's a big deal, but I, I can't play it. I got, I got, I, I gotta go home and play Chalk in the Forever Man on the Genesis. Still a good game, but you know, it's a, uh, it was quite literally behind the time at that point. Um, then my next exposure to Ocarina of Time was at a Toys R Us. And I that was my first time actually playing it. And my first impression of it was that it didn't control like any game I had played up to that point, including the brief uh, experiences that I had renting Nintendo 64 and playing Super Mario 64, because you couldn't jump whenever you wanted to. And there was the, the action button where there was actual a button to press to put away your weapons. Hmm. I found that kind of strange, but that stuck with me because usually in any game that I played prior to that point, a character just had his sword out like the entire time, like, you know, Ninja Gaiden or whatever. He didn't have a hand. He just had a sword glued to the end of his arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, uh, depending on the game, is an upgrade. <laughs> and then finally, um, my brother, he was the first to play it in the house. Uh, he borrows Ocarina of Time from one of his friends. And I'm sitting in the other room at the other end of the, the basement. And the first thing I hear is that start. You entering. And he's playing it. And then I get to start a file. And then I get to play it. And I got as far as getting out of the the Deku tree. And then I kind of sort of gave up on playing the rest of it. And so what I ended up doing was loading up the account or the file of the person who owned the cartridge and just run around in the game, you know, fully loaded, all the hearts, all the gear. And then I ended up beating Ganondorf just oh. way out of order. And here's the thing. I didn't... Okay, this is spoiler territory, I guess. I know Ocarina of Time has been out for a while, but this is spoiler territory. I think there's a... What's the term? Statue of limitations on spoilers for games that are over a decade old. I think I, I think I our listeners really... are okay at this point. Um, I don't agree with that. I think people shouldn't be pressured into consuming media uh, in any particular order. So for gamers who have, say, girlfriends that they're trying to get into the series, I know that's a really good point. I I recant my statement because you could be trying to educate someone else with this with this Mm -hmm. podcast. Your statement is I think it's true in 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 certain respects, like if it's a television series and people are trying to stay up to date and keep up with the conversation, that's an important part of the marketing. So that all, I mean, I understand, but I mean, these games, they're good and they don't get less good if you don't, if you wait a little while. In fact, now that we have updating, they tend to get better the longer you wait. 
Oh, yeah. If you're buying something like a deluxe edition that yeah. comes with all DLC pre-installed, then you're saving yourself 80 bucks. <laughs> There's some time I'm not going to get back. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I digress. In terms of spoilers, yeah. Um, he, here be spoilers for this particular segment of Ocarina of Time. I didn't realize that Zelda was Zelda. I thought it was just another random character. Mm-hmm. So when she comes down, I'm like, oh, who's this person? Okay, so I guess she's going to help me get out of the castle. <laughs> cool. And then, okay, so she's, she needs me to give her the ocarina so I can go back in time and live my childhood proper. Cool. I wonder who that was. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. So we give the, the game cartridge back, and I'm, you know, I'm content with the experience because I'm not smart. And then I was obsessed with getting Ocarina of Time, but I was more obsessed with getting a used copy of it because I didn't want to play through the oh, game. Wow. I just wanted another file that I can just run around. And because for me, I just wanted to play around. Like I just wanted to have everything and just, you know, go and run and really treat it more like like a virtual reality space. Before the, the days of like GameFAQs where you can just download the save file. And actually just install that. Here's the 90% save file. You can go and beat the final boss now. What's the name of that website? I, I, I wouldn't know. This is actually new information to me. Oh, yeah. No, for anyone that runs ROMs, which you should have the original copy of before playing any backup games on a digital uh, platform. Thank you. You can go and check out the save files for any one particular game. And there's several different websites that host sa- uh, games saved at different key points so you instead of having to play through a whole game to a point Mm -hmm. you can just load in that save file that someone else has gotten to well that ended up being my secondary file because i really wanted to like fight a boss to my heart's content so i would load up a save file fight that boss and then leave it there if i wanted to go fight that boss again they later updated it and put a boss battle in the 3ds version and so, okay, so here's what happens. I get a used copy of Ocarina of Time and there are save files already on it. I'm like, yay. The first file's name was gibberish. In fact, the exact gibberai was K-E-X-O-D-F-4-M. And then the second one was like, I don't know, Matt or something like that. <laughs> and I, and I go through all the files and I'm like, God, no, oh, no, no, no. There's no progress on any of these. What was this person? Was this person so unenthused by Zelda that they couldn't get through at least one dungeon no so i just start playing it and it even though it took me maybe two minutes it could have taken me two minutes to fix and put a proper name in i just went with kx 0 dfrm so i would save the gorons from being consumed and then i would go visit the town later and they would say thank you for everything you've done kex 0 dfrm <laughs> how personifying and then what happened was, okay, so I got Majora's Mask, and at that point, I either call myself Joe or Joseph. Or Ben. Or Ben? The the ghost story with Majora's oh, Mask. No, oh, no, that's, that wasn't me. I promise you, it wasn't me. <laughs> Ben's drowned, kids. Ben's drowned. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, that is a scary one. Okay, so I uh, end up getting a GameCube, and then to be nice to my cousins, I give the Nintendo 64 and all the games to them so they have something to play. And they do a thing with it. And I think they either lost it or they sold it. But whatever the case was, they didn't tell me because I guess they assumed that they had full permission to do whatever they wanted with it. A little lesson, if you care about something, keep it 
<laughs> well played. That's the end of that sentence. Yeah. Or at least have a photo of the person holding the item in question. Anything. That way you can say, no, you, you had a thing. Mm -hmm. You need to give me that thing back. Yeah, they know what they did. Digression aside. So somewhere out there, I think my cartridge still exists. And I also have reason to believe that my file still exists. And the legend of Kex continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm just, I'm putting this out there. If anybody received a cartridge and maybe you deleted the file, I don't know why you would. It's a complete file. Just, you know, just to have. There's two other open files. No, wait, sorry. Well, there's one other open file, but you can have deleted the second one. That one was like on Volvalgia. And how else are you supposed to ride around Hyrule Field on Epona without having to do any work? Exactly. I, that's my sister's childhood right there. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Melissa. Hey, Melissa. But if maybe you received this cartridge and maybe you deleted it, but you thought that was an odd name that he committed to. Well, it's mine. and I want it back. You can keep the rest. I just want my Zelda cartridge back. <laughs> so to you listening out there in Radio Land, mystery solved. Mm. That is the mystery of Kex. I did... Uh, pay a slight tribute to that name because my Dungeons and Dragons character is a paladin who goes by the name of Zek, which is X-E-K. I took the first three letters and switched it around and made an idiot paladin called Zek. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So everything was kind of smooth sailing by the time I got the GameCube. And then I would, if I, if there was a Zelda game, I know that I would want it. So I would always have the Nintendo console on hand to, to play it. And the only other um, screw up that I've had regarding Zelda games and giving them to people is that with uh, Wind Waker, being a Wind Waker fan while Wind Waker was out was difficult because it was just asking for mockery because of the way it looked and how people's perception of Nintendo was that it's only for kids to begin with, which by the way, we're still kids at that time. So, you know, <laughs> give it a rest. Um, so I had to hide Wind Waker from my brother so I would have to play that in a clandestine fashion. And so after I beat it, then I just kind of traded it in. And then some years later, I bought it again and then loaned it to a friend who has since cut off all contact with me. I mean, he doesn't even respond on LinkedIn. I mean, that's very unprofessional. Low blow. And what are you, somebody I talked to on Tinder? Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you just got LinkedIn ghosted. So I'm pretty sure that's bottom of the barrel. So now if I want Wind Waker again, I have to buy it a third time. Uh, so I have learned that lesson the hard way several times, which is keep your games, at least keep the Zelda games. Keep closer. your friends close and your games closer. Yeah, that's it. On the plus side, if you ever end up getting a Switch, there's a very good chance that they'll roll out with a definitive edition Wind Waker. <laughs> <laughs> Third time's a charm, right, Nintendo? <laughs> to tie it all back in, my name, Thief, comes from Link's Awakening. Uh, a little bit of an Easter egg for those of you who have not actually played the game. If you, uh, and, and a very excellent life lesson, I find. Um, there is a cute little Easter egg in Link's Awakening where you can steal items from the only shop in the game that sells them. I wouldn't call it an Easter egg. I would call that like a legitimate tactic that you can employ to beat the game. Yeah, well, there, there's that. And there's a series of glitches that you can trigger by doing so. But it's something that is not intent well i won't say it's not intended but it's not something that just sort of stands out as something you can do mm -hmm. and there's no lead into it there is no real rhyme or reason why you would think to do that and i can't even think of why i would have even come up with the concept that i can i can steal from this store i i can tell you that i did the same thing too and i know what was going through my head at the time 
screw you and your 999 uh, rupee shovel nonsense is because that i'm pretty sure that's what i took yeah well um okay so let's get for let's get this out there you can steal from the store mm-hmm. and if you go back he kamehameha's you oh he, yeah you straight dead son yeah. like if you have a zero death game going on do not steal or do not go back mm-hmm. but uh yeah when you steal he kills you and he calls you a thief in all capitals mm-hmm. I stole one time from one store in one game, and that name shall forever haunt me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's not the only person either. Other people call you a thief as well. It renames your name in the game, absolutely. So yeah. you, you are no longer Kex in Legend of <laughs> Zelda Link's Awakening. You are now Thief in all capitals. Um, I sort of took that and ran with it as a moniker. Uh, it was a life lesson learned because when you are called Thief, you got your hand chopped off and the rest of you went with it. Um, <laughs> quite literally, you you die in that game. And if you, say, are playing a zero death game, that there, that there goes your... Uh, you don't get one, okay? You're yeah. done. Oh, you get one and that one will stay with you for sure. You're dead. Yeah. Uh, and that that's that's a permanent record. And back in the day, you actually had your death total right there beside your name on the login screen. So when you're choosing your file, that number is going to be with you forever. And that name's going to stick with you forever. So I, I sort of took that and ran with it. Mm-hmm. It's I am I am thief. I took one time. I learned my lesson. <laughs> I've paid my penance to society. <laughs> now, I can even remember what was going through my head exactly when I realized that I could steal because... Uh, you can look this up if you want to see the the scene. So he he's there. He's got his counter, and then there's a single grid behind him. So you can walk from. You can grab an item. You can walk. I'm using my hands for my my for thief's sake, but for everybody <laughs> else, this is not helping whatsoever. A basic podcast mistake. Anyways, there's you can a- walk behind him, and what happens is that. He tries to face you as you walk around the store. And but there he is a delay. There is a delay. Mm. And that was the key, the, the clue that, wait a minute, if, if he doesn't turn quickly enough, I think I can get away with this. And I did. And then I'm like, I'm going to go back and apologize to him. <laughs> and then he laser blasts me. Or it goes the other way. And oh, I wonder how much I can get away with. Right. How much more he stuff? doesn't know. <laughs> how much can I steal off of this guy? Yeah. He, he yells at me if he's looking right at me and I try and walk out of the store with his goods. But if he's looking away, nuh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> he has this little animation, too, where he kind of rums his hands together. I think there's a part of him that's like, I'm really looking for an opportunity. Give me a reason. Give me a reason. I'm, this is my family's... I wonder if his sprite's yep. being reimagined in the rest of the series. Like, is I can think of a few other bald characters, but I mean the carpenter boss. But is he anywhere else in the series? I'm thinking maybe Wind Waker as the bomb shop salesman. Possible. This is this is yeah, not unverified. Yeah, this is not something that I can uh, answer without some some time spent researching. Because then I'd have to go back to Wind Waker and look at everybody again. I'm just this very curious because yeah, I, I mean he's he's uh, see why. he's memorable. He's memorable for sure. I mean I remember him vividly because he taught me an actual life lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can steal and you can get caught, but there will still be consequences. I think you mean you can steal, you can get away with it. Yes, you can steal. There may still be. Well, in either case, yes. You can steal, you can get away with it, or you can get caught. But no matter what you choose, 
that choice has been made mm -hmm. and there will be consequences regardless. And, and that, that's sort of what I carry with my namesake, with my gamer tag is, is a, a life lesson. This was pre-internet. So this was something that you have to sort of figure out on your own start to finish unless you have a friend that's already beaten it or figured out a cool trick and is on the playground and says hey did you know you can steal from the shop or hey did you know that your your shovel can dig holes in that open field you can leave come back and dig more holes there were parts that were cruel unusual and just plain painful if you did not have that manual to tell you what some of the enemies' names are or those subtle little tablets in some of the dungeons that said, hey, first the keys and then you spend the next 20 hours going, I don't get it. And then you go to your parents and say, can you help me with this mom and dad? You're smarter than I am. So you must be able to figure this single room puzzle out. And then you end up spending over $30 calling the Nintendo of America tip line because there is no internet at the time and asking someone over the phone in another country, <laughs> how do I beat Bottle Grotto? Because so you called the tip line. I called the tip line. Okay. I can't say that I've ever done that. I think because my parents would kill me if I did that. No, this, this was, this turned into a community problem. And this was my first sort of real glimpse at a pre Zelda community community was, I, I had to make my own. I needed to crowdsource the issue of who are these three enemies and in what order do I kill them? Moreover, you can kill the bunny guy? There was a few lessons to be learned there, and one of which is spending real money on solving a fake puzzle in a pretend game. Uh, and that sort of cemented my will to the cause. Unlike, say, just like, you know, insert... 2D side scroller in order to beat the game you saw what you had to do but the challenge was executing it with enough patience and stored and what they did was they found ways to artificially inflate the length of the game by putting in these pitfalls where you would fall and be sent back like a level uh, I remember Streets of Rage the when you get to the end boss the end boss is like do you want to join me and you can say no and he says well have I got a surprise for you and he presses a button and you fall and you gotta fight your way back to him. I never actually said yes on that. Maybe I'll be able to figure out what happens there. 20 hours later. Welcome back. Uh, underwhelming. Anyways, the um, <laughs> so when we are talking about the Zelda, the original Zelda, they figured out a way to dramatically inflate the length of the game by making it possible to resolve everything on your own with like going grid by grid and trying to see okay i'm gonna put a bomb on this patch of land let's see if anything happens nothing okay bomb this next patch of land this is something that not too many people pick up on but that was actually a very keen piracy move on nintendo's part it was super future proof too because if you didn't buy that original cartridge brand new, you didn't get the map that went with it. And that map actually shows you where all the dungeons are and you know, oh hey, in this screen somewhere lies the answer to how do I get into this dungeon? So from there you can go, oh okay, well, 
I'm in a forest zone, so maybe I'll try lighting some trees on fire. Oh, look, here's the entrance to the first dungeon. But like now, unless you're a sadist and you really just want to punish yourself, you're not going to go through all of Zelda 1 without some sort of walkthrough, map, guide, uh, help, outside help from a third-party source. Nintendo provided that initially. And I thought that was just brilliant on their part is that yes you can go out into the world and explore but if you didn't buy this game directly from us then there's a very good chance that you just gonna be exploring that overworld for a very long time son right and 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 i think even in that uh scenario it still speaks to the quality of making a game that people can really sink their teeth into and spend day after day after day trying to figure it out like okay what's my assignment for today well i've i never got the nes so i've never even seen that map so if i were in that position i would get sheets of paper and draw the map and then draw a grid and just like okay today i'm going to this um the forest area and i'm going to bomb everything i'm going to explore every last thing hit whatever i can hit with whatever i can hit with and see what i can accomplish and that tied into you know why what they wanted the Zelda game to be in the first place. Whereas now we have many different options to uh, make the game easier or harder on ourselves. Easier in the sense that by Ocarina of Time, but maybe there's an argument to be made about uh, a link to the past that you had somebody within the game world who would try to help you, even if it was cryptic clues like, hey, does that thing look weird to you? Hmm. Can you poke that with a stick? Or at that point, you know, Nintendo Power has become a little bit more mainstream or you've you've seen guides out on the magazine stands or in bookstores wherein like the original NES, uh, Super Nintendo, you're starting to get there where there's like guides available. But I mean, finding a Nintendo book, that was that was big deal. Like I've got the original guide to winning at Game Boy. Uh, I'm actually squinting at it now. I can't make out the actual title, but like (laughs) finding a a book in a store that had to do with like cheating or cheating in air quotes, uh, accessibility shortcuts Mm -hmm. uh, in video games is just like that. You you just won the gold medal. Like you found a real life treasure. Congratulations. Hold it up in the air. Get your fanfare sound effect because you've just found something (laughs) that's going to help you out in your game immensely. I couldn't even play through my first actual run of ocarina of time without a uh a, a zelda specific manual for it and looking back i kind of regret doing that manual uh sorry like a um, game guide okay yeah so i had a i had a game guide that showed everything front to back all the heart locations how to get the big Oran sword you name it and yeah i kind of regret that because the satisfaction in figuring things out on our own is the height of what we can get out of the game mm-hmm. versus the satisfaction of completionism which is also satisfying but any of any one of those the the satisfaction is diminished when there there was help involved which is funny because then you get into the zelda games where you are you know a few uh, inches short of having your hand literally held by another character the entire time (laughs) so much so that they repeat things twice press the a button if you want to hear what he just said again yeah Uh, and then you get to the skyward sword and it's twice every time. Oh, this is a sword. Okay. <laughs> Master, that's a sword. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, V. I'm never going to listen to you again. Ooh. 
Episode idea, pronunciation. I'll write that down. Okay, so I just have a question for you about uh, Breath of the Wild. Is mm-hmm. that now that you have, and that, or that we have the internet, we have um, a number of different things that we can do. How did you approach Breath of the Wild? How much help did you get or did you seek? Uh, I took a very old school mentality to it. Like many of us, I on game day in March, mm-hmm. I took a week off work. I got my Switch. I got my copy of Breath of the Wild. And I sat down and devoured the game. So there were no spoilers, no potential, hey, guess what? Check this out. Look at this. And I felt that this game was very similar to Zelda 1 in that it's the quintessential get out there and discover. Like, here you are on map tile number one. You can go northeast, southwest. Good luck. Have fun. Don't die. Don't suck. You're you're not going to get any handholding at all. We're not going to tell you where anything is. I mean, in this one, yes, you can sort of see glowing towers in the distance. And I feel like that's the only real uh, handholding that they do is saying, hey, if you go to this tower, there is sort of a gameplay mechanic where you can learn more about the area and go from there. But beyond that, to get back to the initial question, I didn't Internet at all. There was no <laughs> there, there was no spoilers. There was no help from outside sources. Uh, There was no information that I absorbed from anywhere else in the world, and I abstained from talking about it to anyone just to sort of give the same benefit of the doubt to anyone else that was trying to experience the same thing that I was. And for a good month or two, there was sort of, I felt a communal vibe of anyone that's playing this game that... Like, it's it's sort of a don't ask, don't tell Mm -hmm. Zelda policy, where you, you are not like, are you playing Breath of the Wild? Yes. Good. So am I. Are you enjoying it? Yes. Good. That's about all we can talk about. Okay. This was a fun talk. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. I also noticed that like, you know, I came to visit you, I'd say like a week after release and I wanted to play, but if you said no, I would completely understand. And even so, like just the way the game is designed, my actions would have a consequence on your game as well. Like I could break your tools. Yeah. And likewise, even your exploration path your style would impact my experience of the game because i i mean even like 35 45 percent of the way in through the game there's still that 65 percent that you can go out there and explore or 55 math there's still that percentage that you can go out there and explore that i've yet to see and i i want to experience that for myself you know that there's no way that you could replay something that i've already done in breath of the wild that's what i think that they did so very well in that game is that they've recreated a masterpiece in that it's just an open world you can do whatever you want to do you want to experience something completely different play the game again Mm -hmm. i'm sure you remember the area but the gameplay is going to be all brand new try it with something else don't wear a shirt this time only use blunt objects throw apples at people well yeah which is something that we've been able to do on a lot of other zelda games and that has contributed to the longevity of the series and of each game and it's something that we used to really have no choice because like when i had ocarina of time i didn't have another game to play for um, for a while and so i would have to think of ways to make the game fun for me 
And it's something that I'm really glad to see that not just the Zelda community, but other communities are doing this as well, which is finding ways to get to re to re uh, evaluate the experience and do something completely different. Revamp it. Sure. Yeah. Revamp the experience. That's a better way to say it. Now, as for me, I, same as you, I didn't want any help. I just wanted to go in and do everything on my own. But there was one thing that I was stuck on and I got help in the most unimaginable way possible. And I guess spoilers for at least three minutes. So you know when you have to rescue the uh, the Goron youngster who's trapped himself in a mine, and there's a wall in the way, and there's and it's a big uh, uh, cart field, and there's cannons, and of course monsters. So what I was able to figure out is that if I put a bomb into the cannon, and then it explodes and shoots a thing, and I thought, well, that's great, but none of these cannons are directed at the wall, and so I was officially stuck. And I, I'm quite glad. I, I actually, I really appreciate being stuck in a game, you know, for all the flack that the water tempo gets. I think it was a great stopgap for a lot of players to be like, you're not going to power through this whole thing, buddy. You need to relax. Until they redesigned it on the 3DS. They did? They did. Oh, they made I, changes. Okay. I would have to play them side by side because I didn't quite notice those changes. Exactly. And that's the, that's the, the sinister nail in the coffin was that they really did a good job on modifying it ever so slightly. Well, wasn't it that... Streamline the, it. Pardon sorry, the but wasn't it that in the Ocarina of Time version, it was possible to actually completely ruin your game if you use the key in the wrong spot? That's something that I remember hearing about, but I can't substantiate it. So we'll just move on because I really want to get to the end of the story. Go. Okay. So uh, a friend of mine and I, we go to the 2017 Symphony of the Goddess in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Great experience. Loved it. Of course, how can I not love that? <laughs> I mean, if that was a disappointment, then I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. And the the very last song that they play in the three-part encore was a Goron track. And I'm pretty sure they just remixed the Goron City Mm-hmm. from Ocarina of Time and they're showing footage of the game and they showed the solution to uh. the problem I had and I'm just like by the time I realized what was happening I'm like oh they just that's I'm supposed to hit a switch and then the cannon rotates <laughs> I'm like well okay here, here be spoilers on the front door of anyone I guess I, I wouldn't have expected I mean I guess it's fair to say that if they're showing some footage of Breath of the Wild that there's going to be spoilers but I didn't expect them to give me the exact solution to the exact problem that I was having at that point in time so I'm like okay this was an act of god I accept now that I have 97%ed it stupid Koroks I am actually avidly searching out for fun in different ways to Use the physics in the game the way the developers had not intended to initially, which is a heck of a lot of fun. Hmm. And Oh, there's some great videos of what people come up with. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, I mean, we're, we're, we all know about the flying mine carts, mm-hmm. like uh, using magnesis on, on the mine cart and standing on a piece of metal. Which, by my understanding, was something the developer didn't realize was possible, but was delighted to see somebody come up with it. Yeah, Anuma was just blown away when when he. I think it was Miyamoto. I, there's a there's the two of them sitting side by side watching these things that the people had figured out how to do, and they were just flabbergasted. They're just like, oh, you know, we we expected people to do like fun teeter totter stuff and get like forty feet in the air, but nah, these guys are clear in stratosphere using these, <laughs> these minecart flying machines. Mm-hmm. 
the other question that I had kind of prepared for it, I'm not even sure that I need to ask it because A, we kind of answered it just in our chat about the game series, uh, which is, you know, what makes the Zelda series so good and why are people so endeared to it? But I think we kind of, in a, a, without realizing that we were answering it, kind of answered it. I mean, our, our, our love for the game and our anecdotes might speak to what the game means to people. But mm-hmm. overall, I, I think that it teaches. It's a, it's a definite teaching tool. People don't realize they're learning as they're going, but it's a problem-solving game through and through. It, like, yes, you're pushing blocks around for a majority of the series, but in you going into a dungeon into an unfamiliar place where you've got nothing but the items that you came in there with. Mm -hmm. You've got no idea of the layout of this place, what you're supposed to do, what, what you need to do in order to successfully navigate your way through this unfamiliar zone. You set out being the brave, courageous one you are, being a big, brave boy, to quote a certain Markiplier, and <laughs> and you go out and you learn how to be a, a better player and you pick up game mechanics and you follow that through and use those game mechanics again later on in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and later on in life, you use those same skills. When you play other RPGs and you have experience, it's a metric It's like it's a meter that has to be filled. Gain this much experience. Now your character is this much better at Mm -hmm. whatever the things we were trying to gain experience. With Zelda, it actually physically does it. You are actually gaining the experience. You learn through the game how to tackle challenges, not just successfully, but then reduce the resources needed to... Uh, get it successfully maybe it cost you a whole heart to be this monster but now come back a little a little wiser a little stronger you're not shooting 30 arrows to hit that sconce off in the in the distance with a fire arrow you're you're shooting the one or you're yeah i completely agree with you you're not using 10 deku nuts to stun this lizalfos you you threw the one he's stunned you stabbed him a bunch now he's gone yeah and then in in the opposite there's also that surplus point where at the beginning i'm like i gotta start this fire i'm gonna go find a fire and miraculously i'm able to start a fire bring that over to a campfire make some food and then 20 hours later i have an abundance of fire arrows and i go into town and be like everybody stand back (laughs) (laughs) and then everybody's like "Ah!" Uh, which is a nice touch i like that um i i so as you can hear i completely agree with you that it's a teaching game and there's many many reasons that i can state but you know we all have things to do so the (laughs) one thing that i want to state is that i find the zelda experience is definitely an emotionally involved experience Zelda is willing to be kind of ridiculous. It's willing to be a little bit more of a fairy tale. I like fairy tale. Yeah. That's, that's smart. Consider the music choice. Consider the art style that they go for. Consider even the way Link dresses. I think there's a lot of pressure on games to try to come across as cool as possible. And so not naming any names, but some games, they would prefer a, a hardcore rock soundtrack or they or techno or something like that. You're shooting space aliens and you're wearing a red tank top. So you have to be playing hardcore synthesized death metal. And and I'm, and I'm generalizing and, you know, designers have the right to select whatever it is that they want to complete the experience. So I'm not trying to be too disparaging about it, but 
the courage, I think, with the Zelda team is their willingness to make the game in the first place they, as opposed to making the game and then they adjusting. Commit. Yeah, they, they commit. commit to it. Mm-hmm. To add to that, they are serious about their silliness. Like, uh, if they're developing a character that seems weird and out there, like, say, let's take Robbie from the Breath of the Wild game. Uh, and, I mean, and this is getting into some more uh, background spoilers Robbie has a very interesting and varied history. He is a character that has a strange way of dress. And, you know, when he introduces himself as Dr. Robbie, and then they play like the guitar sound and you're like, whoa, this guy's weird and out there. And like, he's got the chameleon eyes going all over the place and he's so strange. And he's got an advanced 3D printer. He, you know, named after the first love of his life and... Then he renamed it because his new wife doesn't like that idea too much. You know, he he starts off being weird. Like, he is really out there. But then you start getting into his backstory and, and you find out, okay, no, he's been alive for 125 years. He's one of the three people that witnessed the, the battle um, in the the plains where Link fell. He's one of the few people that witnessed Link falling. Like, he... He has a long, uh, and we're, you know, bordering on tin hat territory and, and uh, talking about conspiracy theories now. But he's named his robot after Cherry, which is the Japanese translation for the planes that Link fell on, where Zelda and Link had their final parting moments. When you meet Robbie, the first thing that he asks you to do is to show the battle scars that he witnessed you take when you fell. Mm-hmm. He, he is the musician from the Sheikah tribe that has long-standing ties to potentially being a potential court poet that might have taught Arito some songs once upon a time. And then disappeared off the face of the planet. He could very well be a guy who regrets his long-standing hatred, malice towards this Link chosen hero character. So on the surface, you see a really silly, fun-loving, eccentric character. And then the deeper you dig into it, maybe that happy mask salesman isn't so happy after all. (laughs) Maybe that skull kid just wanted to be loved. Well said. Thanks. We're going to call it there. Uh, This is just, like I said at the very beginning, this is just the start of our journey. Uh, For those of you who stuck with us throughout this whole episode, thanks so much for listening. We're going to play the track. Uh, This is a uh, windmill remix by a gentleman who you can find Instagram at Alex Pacific Films. The link will be in the comments. And after the, uh, the song, there's going to be some housekeeping like if you want to get in touch or if you want to uh, support me on this endeavor that kind of thing then you can uh, leave before the song is over so just <laughs> I, I mean I listen to a lot of podcasts and I make a lot of podcasts because it's my job so some people they like to do it right away some people like to do it at the end like here me I am giving you the option to not have to put up with that nonsense walking out music I like it yeah exactly please like and subscribe <laughs> uh, thief thank you for joining me today 
uh, as always, happy to be here, and I'm uh, looking forward to your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny just because I'm, I'm uh, the biggest fear is always like, oh boy, I sure hope that we haven't we fill enough time. I hope this isn't like 20 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, funny story. Thanks for sticking around. Welcome to The Housekeeping. The Hylian is a fan-made podcast. It's made by fans for fans, and it is, was, and always will be free. But if you are inclined to show some support, that would be fantastic. You can go to my Patreon at Tiny Enemy Shrimp. That's T-I-N-Y-E-N-E-M-Y-S-H-R-I-M-P. And I am a professional podcaster, so you are more than welcome to view my other content. But please be advised that while The Hylian is a family-friendly podcast... It's basically the only one they do that is. So you've been warned. You can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all of those. And if you have the time, you can leave a review and a rating. And if you want to get in touch with the show, maybe you have a track of your own you would love to feature on an episode or you would like to ask a question for our next mailbag. You're more than welcome to do those as well. So you can email the Podcast at gmail.com. That'll be all.